Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. Here are a couple announcements about what is happening with us in and around the river. On Monday, November 27th, Mudderch Conservatory is hosting an event, Equal Opportunities for All, Canada's Global Contribution. The speakers will highlight some of the ways Canada is promoting gender equality around the world. It's free admission from 7 to 8.30 p.m., which includes the pyramids in the conservatory. You can RSVP by November 24th, and there will be a cash bar. The link will be coming out in Currents, and it can also be found in our events calendar on our website. Speaking of RSVPs, we are wrapping up our Social Justice Network Book Club Book of November. This month, we were reading The Heart of Aleppo by Amar Habib, and we are meeting at Melbourne Community Life Center after the service this Sunday, November 26th, to discuss what we read over lunch. In order to ensure we have food for you, please confirm or RSVP with Melissa that you will be in attendance. You can send her an email at malissa at rivercommunity.com. Here is a facility search update from our executive. Thank you to those of you who completed the short survey regarding using a portion of our reserve fund for lease payments. You can find a link to the survey if you still want to respond in currents. If you would like to hear the presentation on our facility search, please go back to last week's podcast episode. There's a timestamp in the description to find the presentation. As of last Monday's executive meeting, we received 25 responses. We looked for themes within the responses, and we classified 16 as green, or go ahead, 8 as yellow, or proceed with caution, and 1 as red, or stop. Some of the proceed with caution responses included specific questions or concerns that the executive will continue to explore. We fully recognize and feel the same way that the potential of using up to $480,000 of our reserves in the next five years is huge. Gail notes that in her presentation, she gives the worst-case scenario and that we are aiming to minimize the use of the funds. We pray and anticipate that with a new location, we could increase our attendance, our giving, and potentially have sublets in the building, which could significantly reduce the amount of reserves we would need to use. We want to utilize the reserves as a backstop that allow us to make the leap to our own facility. Lastly, in the information presented last week, we talked primarily about leasing a facility. We are also very open to looking at purchasing a facility. Here's what you can do to help. If you have any leads, lease or purchase, please pass the information on to Gord Birdie. If you know of any churches or organizations who may be interested in leasing some space from us, please talk to Gail or Pastor Dale. Pray for wisdom and have a look at your financial situation and consider whether you can increase your giving to the river. Thank you. And our last announcement is that the first Sunday of December is also approaching, which means a new potluck theme. Our interactive service is going to cover the second half of our Draw Through the Old Testament activity, and the potluck theme is going to be Christmas Feast. So make sure to break out your recipes, and we hope to see you there. Well, good morning, friends. I've been uh, spending some, some time with some, some uh, with a, a new friend that I, uh, I made uh, recently in our, in our neighborhood who's, he's, he's an, an Anglican priest of all things. Um, anyway, and so uh, we've been, we've just been talking and I was reminded uh, recently of a, of a collect, uh, which is kind of a, um, 
a call to worship uh, prayer that is often used uh, in, in Anglican gatherings. And so I wanted to, I wanted to share it with you this morning uh, and, and read it together if, uh, if, you would in, if you would indulge me as our, as our call to worship. Because I think these words are beautiful and a great reminder as we gather. And so uh, I, think, I think they're ready. Um, so they are, they are these. So this is, this is a, a call or words of, of preparation. So if you would read them with me, friends. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. I love that last line, through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's, it's God's love in Christ that makes our worship perfect, makes, makes God accessible to us, and really makes us perfect in God's eyes. We don't have to do anything or say anything special. There's no magic prayer that we need to pray. Because we're loved and accepted in the person of Christ, we are made acceptable. And that's a lovely gift of grace. We begin today with the word of the day. And what is that word? So what is our word for today? Excellent. Now in Scrabble, this word by itself is worth 11 points. And if you put down all seven letters at once, you'll get a 50-point bonus. And if you place this word on a triple score, it's 83 points minimum. Join the word respect to pluralize a word already on the board. <laughs> well, the sky's the limit. And those that are chuckling know the game of Scrabble and its insides and outs. But that is a weighty word. You might say that this word has a lot of value. And in the words of Aretha Franklin, I want to find out what it means to you. I want to ask you that question. But not right now. Later. Let us dive into the book of Daniel to see how respect is displayed. And before we do, let's just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we pause here in the middle of this conversation just to acknowledge you yet again and to know that all words come from you and you speak into our hearts and into our lives. And so, Lord, this we pray that that would be true for today, that the, that which we see, that which we hear would encourage us and not just that your spirit would be with us, challenging us maybe, but uh, spurring us on to uh, live a life worthy of the calling that you've called us to. So, Lord, as we discover who you are um, and we discover who we are in the front of you, we pray that, um, yeah, you would indeed bestow upon us that which you want us to hear, individually, corporately, all that together. Lord, in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So here we are in our series, Daniel in a Hostile World, and we're learning from Daniel how to live well within the confines of a hostile world. Daniel and all of the Israelites were taken captive by the dreaded Babylonians. And right away in the first chapter of the book of Daniel, we see what it was that buoyed up Daniel and his friends. It was optimism. It was hope firm in the sovereignty of God. 
The Lord had instructed the Israelites through Jeremiah that they should live in peace with their hostile surroundings. And not just live peaceably, but also to seek the prosperity of their hostile captors. And so it is this hope, this optimism, that then gave Daniel and his friends courage, wisdom, and respect for their hosts. Now we've covered off the aspects of courage and wisdom, buoyed up by hope in our previous two messages. So let's look at how Daniel and his friends demonstrate respect to their hostile captors. I'd like to give you a quick summary of where I find respect on display in the stories that we have read thus far. In chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel asks the official for permission to deviate from the dietary plan. And he does so in humility, and therefore that's also a sign of respect. Chapter 2, verse 16, Daniel asks the king for time to discern and interpret the dream that had been plaguing him. And so he asked for this time before he was going to be killed for nobody knowing what the interpretation or the dream was. And three times it is written that Daniel said, O king. And then in verse 36 of chapter 2, he says, You, O king, are the king of kings. Now, that might be more flattery than respect, but it gets the attention of the king. And then in chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respectfully decline to worship the king or his statue. Respectfully, they declined. Here's what they said to the king. They said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These were bold words, courageous words, but they were also respectfully spoken. Then in chapter 4, we see that the king has another dream to be interpreted, and it is Daniel who comes to the fore again to face the challenge. And what a challenge it is. The dream is about the demise of the king. And Daniel has to courageously tell the king, in order to live, he needs to do so with wisdom and tact, also known as respect in this instance. And so if you turn to Daniel chapter 4, either the Bibles that are on your table or the Bible in your app, either way, if you want to follow along, I invite you to do so. And I invite you to kind of picture it as it's, uh, as it's happening out as well. Now, before we read it, please notice that chapter 4 is written in the first person narrative. And that person is King Nebuchadnezzar himself. This is his testimony of what happened to him. It is he giving us the story, and within it, he relays how Daniel spoke to him. So let's listen in, shall we? We start at verse 4 in chapter 4 with the telling of the dream. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Interesting phrase. He was contented and prosperous. He said, I had a dream that made me afraid. 
As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He, Daniel, is also called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree was large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found a shelter, and the birds lived in its branches, and from it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times, meaning seven years, pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is the sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So let's just pause briefly for just half a moment here and catch our breath. If not just for my sake, but for all of us. Just to, okay, so this was the dream. This is the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the challenge that is put before uh, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar. So now, in the next phrases, uh, next passages, we get into the interpretation and the application of the dream. But listen for the words of respect that Daniel has for the king. Verse 19, then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, 
You are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty, you saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. And let him be drenched with the dew of the heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven years pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone He wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all God's people said. Did you notice Daniel is terrified by what the dream means? Verse 19 King Nebuchadnezzar calms him down by saying, don't let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Now, this could only happen if the king respected Daniel. And did you notice the respect that Daniel gave back to the king? Daniel speaks in five times. He uses the phrase, O king. One of the times he says, my lord. Respect. Even in the face of a potential hostile response to the interpretation and application of the dream, Daniel speaks respectfully. Now, please know that Daniel did not get killed for giving the king this harsh interpretation. Daniel obviously showed enough respect that the king allowed him to live. And if Daniel showed this much respect for the king... Kind of makes you wonder, how did all of the Israelites in captivity show respect for their captors? I mean, here we are hearing prominent people, but there are others there. I mean, there was Jehoiachin, the king of Israel, and the king's mother. His wives, plural, were there, his officials, and the prominent people of the land. As well, the entire force of 7,000 fighting men and 1,000 skilled workers and artisans were also there in Babylon. How did they all show respect for their hostile captors? And I think that's a great question to ask. I'm not sure that I have a ready and full answer, though. But I suspect that if we look at Esther and Ezra and Nehemiah's stories we might find clues on what they did. So let us turn the page to ourselves, shall we? Let us first ask the question, who do you respect in your life today? 
I invite you to make a list, mental or written down or write it into your phone if you want, but take a moment to reflect on who you respect. Allow their image to come to your mind and then make a note of how you show them respect. So who do you respect and how do you show them respect? I'm going to wait for a minute or so for you to do so, so just take a moment and, and ponder that uh, for a moment. Okay, let's ask the next question. Perhaps it's a little more daunting, but who do you not respect? Make a list, mental or written down, put it in your phone, but take a moment to reflect on who you do not respect, and then make a note of how you do not show them respect. I'll wait for you to do so. I'll give you another half a minute or so. All right, getting back together now. I will warrant you that it is easier to give respect to someone who is seen as a friendly face as opposed to someone who has an opposing face. Small story on my part. Um, I was the marketing manager of a, a chain of convenience stores. We got a new general manager, and he was on his way to ousting the old... What do you, I wasn't even that old. I was 35. Uh, all these people that he didn't want in, in management anymore, and pressure was on, and... He was, I'm sure I've told you this story before, so I won't get into all the details, but he was humiliating me in front of staff. He was going behind my back and, and doing things. He was rather very demanding, and, and I looked at him as a very opposing face. Anytime I saw him, I was frightened. I did not give him any respect. So it's easier to give respect to someone whom you like than it is to give respect to someone you do not like. Am I right? Let's look at how respect is spoken about in our Bibles. Within our English Bibles, we will find the word respect in both the Old and the New Testaments. Now, the word respect in the Old Testament, true to the demonstrative nature of their words to depict an action... The word respect comes from the idea of turning your face towards. I like that phrase. I like that definition. To show someone respect, we turn our face towards them and not away from them. So if I go back to the gentleman at this company that I was with, I mean, when I saw him coming, I would turn away. Respect would have meant that I would have faced him. The very first instance of respect in our English New Testament is found in Matthew 21 and the story of the vineyard owner. Jesus tells a story about the owner of a vineyard looking to collect his dues from the harvest. 
And so he sends a servant after servant with ill results for all of them, for the servants and then likewise for himself. So finally, the owner sends his own son, saying, surely they will respect him. And the Greek word there for respect is entrepo, meaning surely they will turn towards him, which is a carryover of the Old Testament definition. But then also the dictionary says, surely they will not shame him. So it's kind of a, a negative. They will respect is this, to give respect is to not shame as well. And if you know this parable and its interpretation, then you know that the son was not honored. He was, in fact, shamed. He was killed. And Jesus, through the telling of this parable, was, in fact, relating the Israelite story of God's interactions with them. God is the vineyard owner. God had first sent judges and then kings to get the people to honor him as the Lord of their lives. That didn't work. So God sent prophets. And that didn't work either. So God sent his own son to call his children back to honor God the Father. Surely they will respect him. And we know how that turned out. The people did not honor him. In fact, they shamed him. They killed him. Jesus was foretelling his own sacrifice to his oppressors, but they did not listen. In fact, after this parable, it says, they sought out ways to kill Jesus. And here on after, the word respect in the New Testament comes to mean to revere, as in awe, or to honor, as in not to shame. And so with respect to respect, <laughs> play on words, Allow me to share three verses that promote, challenge, and illustrate respect to us, despite the hostile world in which we live. I invite you to close your eyes and let these verses wash over you and imagine the descriptions that will come to life for you as you hear these. And so the first one is in Romans 13. Paul says, Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Romans 13. Secondly, in Peter's writings it says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. 1 Peter 2. And lastly, in Paul's writings to Titus, he says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Titus 2. Thank you for envisioning those phrases. Remember the old cyclical adage, you must give respect to get respect? I think this applies to every one of us. And so we ask ourselves, what value does this word have in my life? 
And if it has more than 11 or 61 or 83 points, then I think that we owe it to God, to ourselves, and to our neighbors to ask the question of how am I going to show respect to those that I deem hostile in my life? So I'd like to invite you to take a moment to decide and commit to how you will show respect to that certain someone. So just take a half a minute or so just to close your eyes and ponder this person that you were not respecting and think on how you might respect them. Thank you for engaging. It was in our Thursday morning prayer group this past week that we recalled the foretelling that we would face trials of many kinds. It is James's letter that reminds us that trials are the testing of our faith that produces perseverance. And I say to you, perseverance requires commitment. So please watch this short video clip about commitment. And I pray that as we face our hostile environments, that we would have the tenacity to trust the Lord, our God. Please watch. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. What does it mean to commit? When you sit in a chair, you commit your personal safety to that chair. When you drive over a bridge, or put money in a bank, or get on a plane, you are putting your trust in something, or someone. The more you trust, the more you are willing to commit. To enter the kingdom of God, we must become like little children. A child completely trusts his parents. We have something more reliable than any parent, more trustworthy than any bank, and more stable than any chair. We have a God who has promised to never leave us or forsake us. So it seems to me that in order for us to respect, we must first turn our faces towards the Lord our God and trust Him. So that as we then turn our faces toward others, that we know that we are trusting Him and He is with us and for us. He has plans to prosper us and to not to harm us. It is in that trust that I bid that you go. Shall we pray? Lord, I am reminded of the truth that if a tree never had to endure winds, it would not grow straight and tall and strong. The hostile world in which we live is but a wind in the face of our faith. May we trust you to be with us and for us in our hostile lands. We pray that we would trust you for the hope that is already instilled in us through your sovereignty by the promise of your new creation. May we trust you to, our ever, to be our ever-present help in times of need. For this and so much more, we thank you. Amen.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.